Why the sad? Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. Which you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Live from Nation's Capital, you're in the War Rooms Tuesday, the 1st of September, year of our Lord 2020. This is episode 364, and we're now almost at 13 and a half million downloads. On the podcast, of course, you can get us on the John Fredericks Radio Network, America's Voice News, the streaming platform of the Trump Revolution. Uh, that's Dish Channel Two Nineteen now. Uh, also, you can get us Newsmax TV and seventy or eighty million homes under the leadership of Chris Reddy. You see us on the rebroadcast late at night, along with other known personages that watch it at that time. Also, GTV and G News, subtitled in Mandarin and blown throughout the world. This is the show that unites. Working class and middle class people throughout the world, uh, Lao Beijing with, uh, with uh, the deplorables, uh, all of it. Okay, we're going to get, um, we got a lot to go through. Next segment, we're going to actually talk about this uh, Nikki uh, Lum Davis. I want to get her picture up in the next one. And also the, uh, this huge article coming in the DOJ that they published uh, to get up on the screen. But not, I want to go back, Raheem. Um, we're hurtling towards a problem, right? We're hurtling towards a, 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 very big problem. We have talked about this now for over a month, maybe a month and a half, two months, when we first had uh, Bill McGinley on here to talk about own your vote. Uh, that's why I wanted Ralph Reed on here today. Ralph's a fabulous per- political strategist, but he is an expert, and I think the top expert, in actually getting out the vote. And you know, having done the campaigns for Brexit and all these campaigns, how important it is actually to deliver it. What, with 60 days to go, or 62 days to go, how serious is the situation about you know, what is this? Is this election just going to be a process in November 3rd? Just going to be one one marker along the road. Well, um, you're right when you say that there's nothing more important than get out the vote. And one of the things that the Democrats have tried to do in this scenario, as soon as the pandemic hit, was say, OK, we're definitely going to be getting out our votes, but we're going to get them out a different way. We're going to put a lot of pressure on the mail-in voting, a lot of pressure on um, the ba- the mail-in ballot system here in the United States, which has obviously led to a lot of consternation surrounding the post office and fraud and all of that. But they're leaning in uh, to their solution to this problem. And we sort of seem, our side sort of seems all over the place. At the beginning of this, uh, there wasn't a big push from our side to do mail-in ballots in response, even if you know there weren't going to be polling stations that were totally open and easily available on polling day. A lot of them now seem like they are going to be open and people are very angry and rightfully so about the fact that they can see these thousands, tens of thousands of people protesting every day and people are almost acting totally normally now when they're going to Walmart and, and other such, such places because they're wearing the masks and the mask was supposed to be so that we had to socially distance less. But now we're being told it's not enough and you can't vote in person anyway and you're going to have to have these mail-in ballots. Well, at the same time, the narrative that the Democrat Party have been trying to push is that 
the president of the United States is going to be an illegitimate president after November the 3rd. This is going to be the real nullification project. Yeah. Right? You're going to say that, hey, the nullification project is after we won, after they conceded. You're, you're saying they've already said they're not going to concede. They're, they don't care what happens on Election Day. They don't care how far he's ahead. That's when they kick into the Podesta. And this is not conspiracy. We're not having a tinfoil hat here. This is what's been already. What did they call that uh, process that you pulled out of the New York Times? The, the Transition Integrity Project. So this came about very, very soon after the pandemic hit. The Transition Integrity Project as a, as a coalition of the Open Society Institute and the Bagruen Institute. Now, this is a global one globalist organization partnered with an organization that is in turn partnered with the Chinese Communist Party, the Bagruen Institute. And you look at who the people are who are associated with this. You've got CNN anchors like Fareed Zakaria who are associated with, associated with the Bagruen Institute. And on the other side, you have all of the same people who were testifying in the impeachment proceedings um, dealing on the open society side of things. So what you're seeing now um, is Hillary Clinton goes out and she says uh, Joe Biden shouldn't, uh, under any circumstances, concede the election. You have Nancy Pelosi going out there and saying Joe Biden shouldn't, under any circumstances, debate the president of the United States. And you have Joe Biden himself going out there, not even speaking to the public yesterday, but speaking to a room of six reporters. Six reporters and taking no questions. Do we have, do we have the visual of that? Or yeah, we do, actually. And put that up. I mean, that was, this is a big day for him. And no questions, right? Six reporters, no, no questions. questions. I mean, he literally walked off the stage, didn't even turn his head towards them. It was almost like he was laser focused on getting out the door. Can I just say that there is something deeply creepy about what's going on here? Because, because it's being done in such a way that every time you turn on your television, every time you have to listen to Brian Stelter or any of these people... They, they make no acknowledgement of the fact that this is happening. They make no acknowledgement of the fact that they've got a paper candidate up there who they're saying shouldn't even have a debate, who they're then saying won't accept the election result. If that was Trump, if it was reversed, and that was the Trump campaign and Trump speaking to six reporters, not taking questions, saying I'm not going to debate and I'm not going to accept the election result, they try and have his name removed off the ballot papers. They say you're not a you're not a candidate. What if Ralph Reed's uh, What if Ralph Reed's data operation had come out and given a interview to Axios and saying, Hey, we expect uh, Biden will be ahead, a way ahead, maybe electoral college landslide on the evening of the election, but. We've uh, we've got it that we think with mail-in votes, et cetera, we'll win this handily in the weeks following. The media would be in a complete meltdown. I mean, the, the Democratic Party would be in a meltdown. And if the Democrats were in power while something like that was happening, the attorney general would be all over it. Every single investigation would be taking place. There'd be congressional hearings right now about this stuff. Where are the Republicans in Congress and where is Attorney General Barr on this stuff? Because this is clear as day now. They're not hiding. Do you see even a do you see a fire back uh, people firing back even from the conservative media or the or the grassroots? Because it's been stunningly crickets on what is uh, to me. You're going to have to win the election on Election Day and then you're going to have to win the vote, the count itself. This is this is going to be and they've got 600. I was just going through the notes again this morning for the show. Democratic National Committee, I think, has 600 lawyers already signed up around the country. And uh, this is what Bill McGinley and Jim Schultz have been warning about. Where, where are we right now in that, uh, in that process? So we're going to try to get McGinley and Schultz on because, okay, now's the time. We understand what the stakes are. You don't need to be convinced of the stakes. It's all or nothing. And this is all about putting your shoulder to the wheel and getting out there and getting out to vote, right? you got to own your vote, but you also got to work like crazy. you got 62 days left. you got another put the golf clubs away, the tennis rackets away, summer's over, close the pool up. 
uh, it's now time to go to work. And we got 62 days or 61 in a wake up. I guess it's not 61 in a wake up anymore because this thing's going to go for weeks afterwards. But you're right. going to have to grind. You've got to uh, connect with either Ralph Reed or one of these other get out the vote groups. You got to work phone banks. You're going to have to knock on doors. The number one thing you do right now with still 62 days to go is get everybody you know that's not registered to vote, get them to register to vote, right? There's a program going around. We are checking that 10 for 20, I think. Every person out there gets 10 people uh, signed up that are not are not registered to vote. Uh, and then you've got to become a uh, not not a poll watcher. That's fine. Go to the RNC and become a poll watcher. But you also become a, go sign up to be an electoral official. And it's surprising. I've had so many people come back to me who have never thought about it before until McGinley talked about it, said, hey, I just signed up. And I'm going to go see what uh, got to see what I got to do. This is all about activization, right? You got to be active in this. It's mobilization. They're going to mobilize, right? You see how they mobilize thing? Yeah, Vish. Yeah, I, actually, I, um, if if there were any folks watching MSNBC or CNN yesterday after um, uh, Biden gave his speech, I would say it's not that this activization uh, narrative is not just for the boots on the ground. Uh, after the speech yesterday, Nicole Wallace and all, uh, a lot of these folks. Were, went went on TV and said, not only does did Biden's was Biden's speech scathing as they described it, but he needs to be out there on the campaign trail every day. They want the media now want, wants to see Biden on the campaign trail active every day. Well, I don't think now, they can hide it anymore, right? They they're, they're being outed every day about how they protected this guy, right? Yeah. He said the other day, I'm a good, in ten days, I'm going to go out. It's not going to work. I think the American people can see through the. Can see. I mean, he's when he gives these speeches, it's like he's not just reading off a teleprompter. He's getting confused, and he's fumbling around. I don't think he's got the stamina. And, and you know, the sad thing is, I don't think stamina is the point. Look, we're watching this guy mentally decay. We see this with elder people. It's not something that doesn't happen to you or me or anyone else, but it is obvious to the American people, and I contend it is more obvious to people who are elderly themselves because they've witnessed it in their in their spouses. They've witnessed it in their friends. I've been in a prior life involved in two law cases where they tried to prove undue influence with somebody who was elderly. And I can tell you, in both cases, the person who they claimed this was not in any way as bad as Joe Biden is today. And these court cases what do you went mean to by, court. What do you, what do you mean by that? talking about a guy who doesn't seem like he's all there, a guy who doesn't seem like he's making decisions. I mean, for a situation like this, if he didn't have his wife, you know, the court would probably put a guardianship there to make sure that he somebody is taking care of it. You think is that serious? I have a very dear friend whose father, very similar to Joe Biden, very friendly guy, nice guy. And they get to sort of hide their dementia to a certain extent by being happy and smiling and saying, hey, come on, brother, come on, man, and all this stuff. And over a period of several years, he literally gave away all of his money to some people he met at the coffee shop. So how is he? How is Biden going to stand up to the heat of, of Trump? Because Trump's going out of Kenosha today. Trump is Trump's bringing it right. He's he's. You saw the Laura Ingram interview. I mean, he's he's now. This is what he does best: close, right? Well, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. It, it Biden. Joe Biden is irrelevant. We can talk about Joe Biden till we're blue in the face. We're not running against Joe Biden. We're running against a pandemic. You're running against, uh, uh, you know, a foreign uh, adversary that is that is uh, increasingly uh, petulant about what's happening to it and the Chinese Communist Party. You're running against a DNC that is very clearly the puppet master behind this candidate who is irrelevant in and of himself, and they are telling us that they are planning to reject, even if you vote, even if President Trump wins every single electoral vote out there, 
they're going to reject the election result. Full stop. And here's something else that I just found out while looking at this thing right now about the Transition Integrity Project. So a lot of these articles came out in the early part of this year and they were drip feeding them. New York Times, BuzzFeed, all of this. Well, on August the 9th, we exposed who they are. Sorry, August the 3rd, we exposed who they are, both on this show and on the National Pulse website. We walked people through exactly what was going on here. Six days later, they have a full Wikipedia article up about them, glowing references about who the Transition Integrity Project are. Uh, 17 references, the New York Times, the New Yorker, uh, Vox, again, the New York Times, the New York Times, the Atlantic, the Boston Globe, the Atlantic. So they put together this three-paragraph Wikipedia entry. Makes no mention of any of the things that we said about them. None of their ties to any of these other organizations. None of their ties to the Chinese Communist Party. And they call themselves, it says, the Transition Integrity Project is a bipartisan group of political consultants, campaign veterans, academics, journalists, polling experts, former federal and state officials. And then you go in and look at who these people are. Rosa Brooks is actually the former chief counsel for George Soros himself, and they name her as Rosa Brooks, a law professor at Georgetown. Then they talk about who the bipartisan elements are. Bill Crystal, Ed Luce, Max Boot, David Frum. All never Trumpers. So this is what's happened. So I call it creepy. This is all laid out. It's all very well thought out. And Joe Biden doesn't even matter at this point. I mean, how can he matter? I don't know if anybody actually caught his speech yesterday. You know, I was thinking we we're going to look look ahead at debate season. But if this is what we're going to have to deal with debate. Do we have that? Do we have AVN, that let's roll yeah, clip yeah. two. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives, it's just, it's, when you think about it, more lives this year than any other year for the past 100 years. Uh, yeah, that, if that's what we have to look forward to, I don't think, uh, I don't, th like, like Raheem said, Biden is irrelevant. It's, it's nice to dunk on Joe Biden. It's funny to dunk on Joe Biden. But in the grand scheme of this whole thing, it doesn't matter. Well, you know what? It's actually sad to make fun of Joe Biden at sure. this point. But what is horrifying is that the Democratic Party can still put him up as a straw man and pretend that if he wins the election, that he will actually be president of the United States. The irony for me is we've heard four years of them talking about the 25th Amendment and how they're going to remove Trump because he's crazy. He's clearly lost it. Haven't heard a word about that with Joe Biden. Here's the thing. It could only ever have been Joe Biden because every single other candidate is lucid enough to yeah. maybe cotton on to what was happening yeah. and morality may have kicked in. We're going to take a short commercial break. Why don't, why don't the Republicans have a, and the conservatives in the Trump movement have a transition integrity project? Maybe it's time to get on top of that. Come back and just say. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, you're back in the war room. we got breaking news out of the State Department, uh, Mr. Rahim Ghassan. Yeah, that's right. This is up on uh, justthenews.com, John Solomon's outfit, um, which is, I, I believe, and I see is doing amazing traffic at the moment. So credit to John Solomon. The breaking news, State Department to release memos detailing illegal social media monitoring of Americans. That's as of four minutes ago, this story went up talks about the State Department agreeing to release memos showing officials in its Kiev embassy 
illegally monitored 13 American social media accounts during last year's Ukraine scandal, including President Trump's eldest son, Don Jr., Fox News personalities, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, and Lou Dobbs. Others mentioned in this are, I believe, uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Tom Fitton, Seb Gorka, Jack Posobiec, Sarah Carter, and Dan Bongino. Um, so the documents are, are due to be released. We're not sure just as when they're going to be released. But this shows that there is a, 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 a the, the U.S. State Department's own arms in Kiev, in their specifically in their Kiev um, embassy, has been monitoring uh, American social media accounts directly in relation to political activities. And and so what does that tell us? Why 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 are they doing that? Why would they why would they be going after some of President Trump monitoring President Trump's that right there is ten of his biggest defenders. Yeah, I mean if you look at that list of people, I mean these are the people who were either the furthest ahead on the on what was going on in Ukraine, uh, or the people with the largest audiences who were reporting on the people who were ahead on on uh, uh, Ukraine. So for instance, uh, Jack Posobiec, uh, one of the people who was heavily and, and obviously a great friend of the show, but who was heavily involved in exposing a lot of things that happened there, um, and then Sean Hannity, who was obviously responsible for for projecting that news and that reporting outward to that massive Fox News audience. So it's very clear. I mean, just like you've seen, and we had uh, Darren Beatty on a couple of weeks ago talking about these color revolutions and George Kent and everything that was taking place in Ukraine. I've warned for years since I was in that Medan Square years and years ago that Ukraine was effectively being used by both the European Union and the United States of America by the by whatever you want to call them, the deep state, the apparatus, the the. Um, uh, you know the the the, the administrative state, the, the in-your-face state. Yeah, but the administrative state, yeah. really, right? The permanent, uh, the permanent political class. Ukraine was being used as a means by which to launder foreign policy, to launder bad foreign policy um, that wanted more U.S. intervention and wanted more EU expansion to Russia's borders and wanted to co- cause more conflict around the world. Well, they lo- they have effectively for now lost that battle, and now what you're going to see is a lot of these releases coming out as a result of losing that battle. But I predict the same thing will be happening in Belarus in, in, in just a few months' time. Once they get rid of this guy, they will use Belarus as the same kind of jumping-off point um, to target uh, Russia and, and, and Putin uh, and to try and draw America back into these, these global conflicts. What is the? I want to go back to the, uh, to, uh, the previous uh, epi- uh, segment on this uh, Transition Integrity Project. The Never Trumpers, the, the Lincoln Project guys, what do they hope when they see the, the dichotomy here between what Trump is is standing for and what the platform stands for versus the Democrats. And it's incumbent that I think we pull every Republican in here to, to vote. Why are they part of this uh, transition integrity project? Why do you have guys like Bill Kristol and you obviously got Nicole Wallace on MSNBC? But why do you see these establishment Republicans? What is it about Trump? Forget his personality, but get how he triggers people. What is it about the policy, uh, the policy package that they're so opposed to? Yeah, and I don't think really he he even does trigger them like they say he does in terms of his demeanor. We, we all know people like Donald Trump. We all know people um, who who have you know maybe not achieved as much, but certainly speak in the same ways and have the same sort of you know the locker room banter and so forth. What it is about him is the very same thing that creates this rationale of spying on American social media accounts. It's 
it's the major difference in how they view the world. You know, Donald Trump, whatever you say about any mistakes that he's made in his past or his personal life or whatever, he clearly does put family first. And that's not how these people think. For these people, it's foreign policy first. And it's foreign policy that enriches them that comes first. Whether it's David Cameron, the former British Prime Minister in China, or whether it's Bill Crystal and, and the Middle East wars, the never-ending wars there, whether it's John Bolton and his... He was, he was determined to start that war with Iran. And when he got in there, he really did think that he was going to get his way on that. Whether well, it's L.A. Abrams and it's Venezuela, whatever it is, um, those are the sort of policy disputes that you're looking at. But there's two classes of Never Trumper as well. There's the Never Trumper that, like the Max Boots, who are fully subscribed now to the Democratic Party platform on the Democrat side, and there are the Never Trumpers who still want to remain in control of the Republican Party and take back control of the Republican Party. And those are the David French's of the world. And it was extraordinary to read one of David French's uh, emails just last week, where he said, you know, I'm I'm pro-life, but it doesn't matter that President Trump is the most pro-life president we've seen in our lifetimes uh, because he's still Donald Trump and therefore we should let go of that cause. That's a half a million abortions a, uh, over the course of four years Genocide. that you're looking at as a result of the 12.5% that would be saved, let's say, if Roe gets repealed or reformed in some way. That's what David French is giving up to get rid of this president. We have, In fact, we don't run many op-eds at the National Pulse, but we have Frank Cannon, um, who did an op-ed about this on this Sunday for us, talking specifically about David French and, and, the, and, the, and how he's willing to give up m the moral principles and the right thing to do, especially when it comes to life. You know, unborn children, uh, just because he can't stand President Trump and his foreign policy prescriptions. What, what, a, what, a, uh, what do the Republicans, what does the Trump movement, what does the Trump apparatus need to do immediately to get its own transition integrity project, right? We know we, know we don't have the lawyers out there. We're going to try to get some people on the show in the next couple of days to talk about that. But what do you need to do to get your own transition integrity project? Well, that's the funny thing. You don't really even need lawyers. I mean, you look at who the Transition Integrity Project uh, for the left is. Um, you're talking about Rosa Brooks. Okay, she's a law professor. Uh, you've got a former chancellor at the University of California, Berkeley. You've got John Podesta. You've got William Crystal, uh, uh, Bill Crystal, Ed Luce, Max Boot, David Frum. Effectively, all you need to do is put together a group of respected political analysts, commentators, bring on uh, some data analytics pollster type people. But you have to have a a connection to a law, the lawfare part of it, right? You got to have the, the the ability to go in and challenge these ballots, to challenge all this. This is going to be a massive. This is going to be two thousand in 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 ten states. Yeah, but I don't think they're even going to go to to the this group itself. What this group is there for is so that when uh, on November the fourth they come out and say actually we don't accept oh the you results. have a, you have surrogates on every TV network it's surrogates on every TV channel every TV network every newspaper column etc but it's also people who will appear immediately before house committees that will be called immediately to have hearings and that's what this transition integrity project is for this is a PR thing uh, the, yes there are lawyers that they've had position and they've got positioned all over the country that's a totally different thing and a much heavier lift to put a transition integrity project today 12 Republicans respectable Republicans who uh, um, are on television all the time, who run polling companies, who do all this sort of stuff, need to come together, put together a firm, because when they go up to Capitol Hill to testify before the House, before Nancy Pelosi's committees, we're going to need our own people to put up there. And we don't have that right now. Jack? Well, I think that there are a lot of things that we can do on a local level. For example, I lived in Philadelphia for many years, and there was huge corruption there. I mean, you get 100% vote uh, turnout in some of these uh, West Philadelphia districts, just totally outrageous, uh, busing people over to 
to New Jersey. I remember particularly in the Corzine election, they bust over 20 or 30,000 people from Philadelphia to vote across the river. I think there's some simple ways. We've got a lot of uh, people out there who are kind of creative. I think setting up a camera across from some of these polling places and just being able to verify the number of people who actually walked in and out of there would be an invaluable service to uh, finding out the ultimate counts here. Because if they've got 100,000 votes and only 10,000 people walked in and out of that building, that's impossible. Just one of my ideas I was talking about with some people over the weekend. How is uh, do you believe that people are now waking up to the fact that this is going to be the most contested election in American history? Right. You already seen that. Right. We're not going to concede. Uh, there's going to be uh, lawfare afterwards. Do you think the Trump base is starting to I mean, I hope we'll hashtag war and pandemic and the live stream. People are getting focused on this and fired up on it. Well, and I think a lot of people are already starting to see the fraud. I have a great family friend. She's a U.K. citizen. She's lived in the United States for 60 years, but she's never given up her citizenship. She got three ballots at her house, two from people she had no idea who they were. She's lived in this house for decades. And she also got a ballot for herself in her name, ready to be filled out to vote for president. She has never registered to vote in her entire life. And she was outraged. What state What state is this? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Wow. I'm, I'm really tempted myself. You know, I'm a visa holder. I'm not a U.S. citizen. I have no right to vote. I'm tempted myself to go on election day and try and cast a vote somewhere. Well, just see, just see what it's like. For what you, happens. that would be a felony. For no, the other no, millions, uh, you know, no, no I mean, one's going to no, chase it down. If you, if you announce it now, I'm talking about it as a journalistic endeavor. This is a this is a, an informational thing. I can, you can you know you're you like Project Veritas. Yeah, absolutely, like absolutely. And you know what? If they want to deport me for showing up their fraudulent election process, go ahead. No, uh, you, you know. don't want that. <laughs> then you can never come. Look, back you talk about that. the deep state. You talk about this. The the breaking news on the Miles Gross situation is Nikki Davis Lum, uh, or Nikki Lum Davis. Uh, uh, cop to uh, the foreign, uh, uh, the FAR violation. Uh, and, and it shows you that this thing is, I think, going to explode. You're going to see a lot more of the names in that, uh, in that criminal complaint uh, exposed. And I think this is only the top of the first inning. But it shows you for as much as they say, you know, Miles is this crazy guy Steve Bannon has on the show every now and again. It talks about HNA, talks about Hong Kong, talks about the pandemic, you know, months before anything happens. Uh, what you're seeing now is that they were, they were paying a big price. They were trying to get Miles Grow back to CCP was trying to get him back there, and they didn't care who they had to bribe. They didn't care who they had to get to see. Uh, they had meetings in China, mainland China. They thought this whole thing up. It's part of the the Malaysian uh, uh, hedge fund scandal, which is billions of dollars all over the world. Right? They're still trying to get to the bottom of that, but it shows you that that scandal's got its roots in China because the head of it the, was a Jolo. Uh, is uh, is in is in China. They won't turn him over, and he's the railhead of this problem. So this is going to be this is going to be something that's going to. Uh, I think more information is going to come out every day. There's going to be a lot more names names in this. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. We got the new federal state. We're going to focus today on the Pacific. We're going to focus on Japan and Taiwan. What's happening there is these brave people stand up to the greatest enemy of the American people, the greatest enemy of the Chinese people, and that would be the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, we're going to return on War Room Pandemic in just a moment. We want to hear all of your input. Hashtag War Room Pandemic and live stream. Tell us what you think. Tell us what we should focus on. Tell us where we should go. Be back in a second. Stuff, okay. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. 
The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. It's been a wild one today, and we can tell that because the uh, the uh, chat room on the live stream and the hashtag War Room Pandemic is on fire. 61 in a wake-up into uh, a, 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 a uh, not a car crash, but a dogfight. This is going to be the toughest, nastiest election, I think, in American history. We've had a couple of three tough, nasty ones, so just be prepared to strap in every day on the War Room and 24-7 on our sites and on National Pulse. We're going to be reporting this, getting you activated and mobilized. Uh, Jack, you had a comment about one of our guests. We pride ourselves on being an international global show. We had the National Rally head of the European Parliament delegation, uh, Jerome Revere, one of the top conservatives in the world. Very articulate. He'll be National Security Defense Minister of France one day when National Rally, Old Front National wins. What did he do? He warned us about this. Well, it was shocking when we talked about this a week ago because he, as a Frenchman, and we consider France to be fairly progressive, certainly on comparison to the United States, and certainly that's the way the left describes it. Mm -hmm. And he said the people in France are absolutely shocked by the idea of anybody being able to vote without showing a proper ID and identifying themselves. I mean... He thought we were kidding at first. Yeah, he thought we yeah. thought it was a joke. Yeah, he thought I was kidding. No, it's not. And that's going to be... Now, I wanted to throw out one comment from one of our listeners because it, it just sort of divines everything down to the narrowest point. He said, asked rhetorically, he said, Democrats are really going to argue, do you feel safer in Trump's America as they watch hundreds of thousands, if not millions, fleeing Democrat cities for suburbs and rural areas that supported Trump in 16? Now, that is a fact. Now, one thing I'd like to ask all those people fleeing, don't bring your politics with you. Oh, they will. That's how they, they states. That's the what are you talking about? That's how these states get all messed up. Okay. I tell you, somebody would feel comfortable in Trump's America, and that is the people of the new federal state of China. Remember, you've got a global revolution against you got a global revolution against the um, against the um, uh, the Chinese Communist Party as being led by these brave people. Uh, these uh, the average citizens, expatriates of China that are now exposing themselves globally uh, to stand up and have these rallies and actually go to the consultants. And as much as the Tiananmen Square uh, folks are brave and courageous, that that's kind of petered out. You know, you just even on the 30th uh, anniversary of it, there's, you didn't see a lot around the country. But this new federal states co-founded by Miles Guo. Uh, he's in the news this morning. Uh, Nikki uh, uh, Lum Davis has uh, pled guilty to uh, a far violation. Uh, in this thing, of this effort to get to Miles Grove back to the Chinese Communist Party. But thank God he's still here. He's one of the uh, founders and inspiration of the whistleblower movement. He's one of the founders and, and the inspiration of the new federal state of China. So I want to start. Remember, these are all, uh, these are all, uh, you know, n- was it nom de jures? They're, 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 th- these are their names that they use in the combat against the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Chinese Communist Party. I want to go first to Japan. And, and, and peace. And I want to, we're going to put up footage. We've got great footage of these things is that you've got the blue flags, you have these very polite people, they're out there, but they're really in the face in the consulates and these, uh, in the, in the embassies. Uh, so t- first piece, tell us about the, tell us about these rallies in, in Japan. I think you had them in two or three cities. What type of enthusiasm you're getting and, and what are you guys fighting? When you say you're anti-CCP, what does that mean? Oh, uh, thank you for to having me again. Yeah, for this uh, protect protecting, we we are have a uh, two hundred peoples 
uh, in, uh, in three cities this time. Uh, yes, we are all normal citizens in Japan. We we just know how how is the uh, CCP is a devil. Uh, we just want to take out take out, take down the CCP right now. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, Peace. When you say um, that uh, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is the devil, or I think the other day we had you on and you said the Chinese Communist Party, party Satan, and uh, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. To, for our American audience, can you be specific? When you say the Chinese Communist Party is the devil, what do you mean by that? Talk, talk to us about their evil nature. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, inside, inside the China, uh, the CCP's education, the people just, uh, they just use the education like the tour to control the citizens. Everything in history of CCP was a lie. They just want to watch the people's brain, make people be foolish, be a weapon to the other countries, make people hate other race, look down the other culture. And uh, the CCP is always says a Chinese Communist Party is the mothers of Chinese. Please think about it. If the mother says my children is stupid, do not deserve to be treated well. How do you think? This is not Euro, right? They are devil. Let yeah. me let me ask you, Peace. You. Uh, you've been in Japan, and and that's where you had the rally. What is when you talk to Japanese citizens, or now you're addressing a, a American audience? What do you tell people in Japan or people in the United States? What is the threat that the Chinese Communist Party poses to them? We understand what it, poses, what it is to people in mainland China. We understand to the expatriate community that's left or defected uh, the threat they have to you. But what is the threat that, that, that people in Japan and people in the United States who are not Chinese, uh, what is the threat of, of the Chinese Communist Party to them? Uh, right now, yeah, it's, uh, the big threat is... Uh, um, by audible weapons, because you cannot see the enemy anywhere. You just know this is a, a, a COVID nineteen, like COVID nineteen, anywhere. It's no no place of, uh, safety right now. This is, uh, I think, the biggest set of protests that have ever been at a Chinese embassy or consulate by Chinese nationals or people that are Chinese expatriates. How is, is this catching on in Japan? Are, are more and more Chinese nationals coming to you and wanting to be a part of this? Where, where does New Federal State stand right now as far as momentum? Yes, I think it's, uh, more, more people will send out uh, uh, to join us uh, to, to the protecting, to the uh, uh, any actions to against the CCP? It's more and more people to stand out. I I I believe that because people will know the truth of the COVID nineteen, of the CCP's doing everything uh, to the world. They are lying to the world. They are lying to the all the peoples in the world. Thank you. Yeah. La last question: What should Americans, people in our audience today? And you have, a, you know, you have so many people that listen to the specials and, and look forward to this stuff and look forward to the incredible footage that's up there. 
Um, what what um, what can you tell the American audience about the new federal state? What is it you stand for, and why did you join? Uh, yes, uh, I we believe the CCP will collapse very very soon. If uh, if you really know the information of real uh, mainland of China now, you will notice after this. Uh, the only powers of Chinese is the uh, new federal states. We are the only we are the only organizations to uh, show the people to uh, to present what the real Chinese people are. And uh, uh, yes, we are we are love the peoples. We are love the democracies. We are tell the truth to the world. We are make the real friends with the world. We are trying to. Save the peoples of the world uh, from the devil CCP. Uh, yeah, this is all we do. Thank P- you. Peace. I want to thank you uh, coming on. I really want to thank you for the bravery of turning up at these uh, at these rallies, guys. If we can make sure, I want to make sure we get the the footage as uh, as uh, beautiful as my visage is. I want to make sure we get the footage for the audience up there and for the radio audience. You should know we're showing some incredible rallies. Peace. Thank you very much. Uh, before I bring on uh, next, and uh, it, it, I wanted to do this element of it just so I could announce the nom de jour of our next guest is Mr. Tomato. This is a, this is a, this is a, it, it's not a goof. That's what he goes by. Uh, and uh, a, a quite brilliant guy. Before we d- talk about that, uh, I just want to make sure the American audience knows and the radio audience knows as you see this footage up there, the, um, the bravery that these people have to have. You know, the Chinese, you just saw where in the Ukraine, the American embassies monitoring the social media of uh, some of the most prominent names in conservative media and defenders of Trump. In the CCP, they're monitoring everything, right? They're getting your photograph. They're, getting, they're doing uh, the visual recognition. They've got the firewall. And they immediately go back and try to get your— the first thing the Chinese Communist Party does is try to get your family, right? They try to intimidate you. So I can't tell you, and we see these all day long. They send these videos about what's the, you know, how, how brave and how heroic— uh, these people are. I want to bring in uh, 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 Tomato. Sir, here's the question. Why did you join the new federal state? Why take this risk? You're out of the country. You're in Japan now. You're essentially safe. You could just be quiet and get on about your life. But why do I see on a global basis now, and it's basically every weekend, protest in the Chinese Communist Party's faces at the consulates, at the embassies. You've got these signs, CCP lied, Japanese died. CCP lied. Americans died. You know, it's it's an aggressive, in-your-face uh, campaign. So what is it that's drawing people like you to this movement? Uh, hello, um, Mr. Bannon. Uh, it's a great honor uh, to, to be here. And, uh, um, well, uh, the reason uh, I uh, I must stand up to say no to the CCP is uh, uh, I think um, well uh, I came uh, to Japan uh, just looking for happiness and uh, wealth and uh, um, I think um, uh, leave I when I after I leave uh, China. Uh, I, I'll be safety uh, for my family, but uh, uh, I think I'm I'm wrong because uh, uh, the uh, the COVID-19 is uh, uh, just a near uh, nearby me. So uh, why uh, 
the COVID-19 is nearby me because uh, the CCP is telling lie. They uh, hide the read the truth. So I must. Uh, so I I I cannot uh, escape uh, to anywhere. Uh, I must stand up and say no to the CCP. Uh, well, because. Uh, the CCP is, is an evil to anywhere. Uh, they uh, they do the uh, uh, BGY to all over the world. Uh, even uh, somebody beside beside me. So uh, I I I must say no uh, to the CCP. Even I I'm in Japan because uh, it's not uh, the matter uh, inside China. It is the matter. Uh, of whole the world, so I must say uh, no to the CCP. I I'm standing. I think uh, I think over. I was standing uh, in front of the China embassy to say CCP lies, Japanese die. I just want to save my life. I just want to say uh, to to protect my uh, my family and my race, my Chinese race. Uh, I tell you what. Uh, over, sir, thank you. Yeah, if you can hang over a second, we'll take a short commercial break. We want you to hang over, and we're going to bring you. We've also got Ford from Taiwan, uh, members of this organization from both Japan and Taiwan that are uh, standing up to the Chinese Communist Party in the face of really uh, the ability of the CCP to to uh, take their families and to uh, you know oppress them. We're going to take a short commercial break. We return. Want to hear you in hashtag War and Pandemic or in the live stream. Stephen K. Banner will be back with War and Pandemic in just a second. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Banner. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Banner. You're in the war room. It's the 1st of September. We got, what, 62 days to go until, um, hey, don't know, but it looks it's going to look like uh, a tough night on the evening of November 3rd. Raheem, you've actually got some analytics coming out of the uh, uh, hawkfish. Yeah, you have 62 days to go before the start of the Civil War, by the way, is what's going to happen. If these if this scenario plays out here, the hawkfish analysis that we've talked about on this show so far, and if you missed it, make sure you go back. The lead story on the National Pulse, where we go through and explain it right now, has just gone up. Natalie Winters does some great reporting about all of this. But effectively, the Democratic uh, uh, National Committee, it, they have this uh, team on board, incredible data and analytics firm called Hawkfish. Hawkfish have said... That President Trump, they gave an exclusive interview to Axios on HBO, that President Trump could win a, quote, incredible landslide on election night, but still not be President of the United States. I'll read you one of the scenarios that they've popped up as a result of all of this. So Trump could hold a projected lead of 408 to 130 electoral votes on election night if only 15% of the vote-by-mail ballots had been counted at that point. Once 75% of those mail-in ballots are counted, they say perhaps four days later, that could flip the Electoral College lead to Biden's favor. And that leads to a 334 to 204 
Joe Biden victory after four days have passed after the election. Now, these numbers are based on the 538 uh, website's polling numbers. So that's where they're drawing their data from. But they actually say it could be up to over a week for this for these sorts of numbers to come out. So very, very uh, possible uh, conclusion that could be had on November the third evening is that President Trump supporters go to bed or don't go to bed thinking that they not only have won, but have won on a landslide. And then a week later, they come back with, oh, by the way, you didn't. You're not the president. Well, this is why Hillary Clinton said you're not going to concede. Okay, let's go now to people that are standing in the breach. I want to go back to tomato. So, sir, just what is the warning that you give people in Japan in the United States about um, the Chinese Communist Party? You guys call them devils. You're protesting all the time. Uh, Understand you're, you know, a Chinese expatriate. Uh, living in Japan, but for the United States, for our audience here, what is your warning uh, to them about the CCP? I just want to warning uh, uh, the peoples in the United States: uh, don't, uh, uh, well, don't believe the the uh, CCP's uh, saying. Just uh, uh, try to find uh, what they do. What are they doing? Uh, you, you know, uh, in the uh, whistle blue movement, uh, we have a lot of things we can we can see a lot of truths. So uh, I just uh, I I want to tell to the people in the United States to uh, to to learn more about the truth, uh, than uh, to know uh, the real face of uh, CCP. Uh, to cooperate with uh, uh, Mr. President uh, to fight uh, with the CCP uh, to get your, um, how can I say, the production line uh, to, to the back to the, to the United States to get your uh, uh, great life, uh, to get your uh, life great again. Thank you so much. Uh, really uh, appreciate it. Get your, thank you. get your life great again. I love that. Bring back the supply chains. Let's go to Taiwan now in, in, in Ford. Uh, Ford, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, War Room Pandemic. Uh, my question is that one of the things the, Chinese, the people that support the Chinese Communist Party, Wall Street, and the corporations say is that uh, the CCP lets it be known that the Chinese can't handle rule of law, they can't handle democracy, they can't handle freedom, and that's why you need a kind of an authoritarian or totalitarian uh, dictatorship that runs the country. You're, you're part of this movement now. You live in Taiwan, which is the, the home of the free Chinese. What do you have to say to the CCP about the Chinese people, Lao Beijing, really being able to uh, handle uh, rule of law, being able to handle democracy, being able to handle freedom? Do we have Ford? Uh, maybe we don't. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll get to Ford tomorrow. I want to thank. Okay, I want to turn back here to. Uh, uh, somehow we had him and lost him, but that's okay. Some we do these international things. I want to get to Taiwan. We'll get to Taiwan tomorrow. Let's go back to our our shows in meltdown right now because of uh, people. This is the first time people really talked about the sixty two days and uh, and everything that's going on. What what um, are people are there Trump movement as focused on this as they should be? 
Uh, look, I don't, I don't know if it's as focused, but I know that it's getting focused. I know that uh, some of the campaign people have been looking at this uh, Axios story that broke this morning with with horror and dread, talking about how the uh, how the election could be flipped over the course of four days. I mean, somebody in the live chat said something interesting just now. Instead of hanging chads, we're going to be talking about missing stamps uh, from these from these mail-in ballots and similar such things. When all these when all these papers get brought forth four or five days later, say, oh yeah, no, that it did make it in on time it made it in by election day like the georgia uh judge decided today uh yesterday as well saying as long as they get there in time for november the third themselves they'll still be counted but it can take two three four five six seven eight days to count these things and you know some will be coming out of the woodwork as well in that time but here's the thing this is what everybody has to realize right now is that it is your job as viewers and listeners of this show if you are deeply as if you are as deeply concerned about this as everybody in this room is, and as you should be, then we've got to get more people talking about it. You've got to send it to all of the other shows, everyone you watch, every uh, political commentator, um, pollster, uh, your Republican representatives. Get everybody talking about this, because this is the trick. This is the steal right here. And they've shoved it in your face right now because they think you're too stupid to realize what's going on. And to give you an example of what kind of time this is going to take, one of our listeners and I have been corresponding. He sent me a letter last Saturday. It has still not arrived. So that's what, eight days, nine days? This is what's going to happen with these ballots. And so if it's stamped on November 3rd, we might not even see the ballot till November 10th it's or gonna, 15th. It's going to be crazy. Hopefully, uh, remember, write this one down. 10 o'clock on November 3rd, the status of the state of Florida going to be very 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 important if donald trump is uh closing in on a victory at least on election day with uh with florida uh, i don't uh i don't see how this thing gets uh gets worked out with trump, donald trump not being president of the united states but we're going that we're going to get into this every day we'll be the center of this every day till the until we get to uh to to november 3rd i'm gonna do a whole tear down at 3 p.m as well on okay this. national pulse at 3 p.m on america's voice want to thank all our distribution partners want to thank particularly people in the new federal state we're going to have every day a person in the new federal state and the whistleblower moving on here because you show that this is a global movement and these people are fighting for the rule of law just like we're fighting for the rule of law here see you tomorrow